You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast, brought to you by Travel Banner, creating holidays packed full of exciting memories since 1979. England needed a win today and they delivered. A 31-run win over India keeps their semi-final hopes alive. I'm Yaz Ron and on the phone today with me is Quick Visitors Ben Jones. How are you, Ben? I'm very good, Yaz. I'm better than I have been all day, to be honest. It's been a tense day, but I'm uh, slightly relieved and slightly less stressed than I have been since about half past ten this morning. A great game of cricket, I thought, despite... And the ending was a bit weird, but it was a great game. Yeah, I mean, even from a neutral's perspective, if you're coming to this thinking that this is the hosts versus the world number one, it's the world number two versus the world number one, it's a, it, it's clearly a massive match, and actually, rarely those kind of games deliver. I mean, we've seen with India-Pakistan games for years where it, it kind of falls by the wayside, the actual contest, and kind of the context is bigger. But actually, today was a really good game of cricket. From we, we saw it throughout the whole day, different phases, different different players from either side really delivered and and actually and actually turned up and kind of put for, put their uh, their kind of best performances in the park in mm. Birmingham. It was it was, a, it was a really good spectacle for everyone. Absolutely. What was your moment of the day? Um, my moment of the day, considering there was a, a hell of a lot going on, um, was actually pretty pretty kind of niche. There was a, a particular ball that Bumrah bowled to Ben Stokes, um, and obviously Bumrah at the moment is the best all format bowler in the world. I mean, Mitchell Stark's doing ridiculous things, but Bumrah right now, if you could pick anyone, he's the first name on the team sheet. He's just frightening. You can kind of tell that by the way other teams play him. They England properly were were, were looking to see him out today. Oh yeah, without question, they just wanted to get rid of him, just get, get him off the scorecard, play his ten out. But there was a particular ball he bowled where it was, it was a slower ball to Stokes, where the ball kind of was clearly going on the trajectory towards a kind of in the slot delivery, and and Stokes had kind of set himself up and was, you know, he's obviously such a muscular player, he was completely ready, just hit through the line, and the ball just died. Mm. It, it, it dipped in a way that deliveries don't tend to dip, and it was just so beautiful because then Stokes was almost forced to just do that thing where you kind of 
your bat ends up defending it into the floor almost mm. horizontally and it was just so like he almost did the thing of like looking up and kind of doing like a twitch of the head like well bold mate and it was this is in a world cup match where England need to win and they're just trying to scrounge every single run that they can find and actually Bummer just throws up this incredible delivery it was it was just beautiful and like yeah England, England, England were really going hard at the end and Butler was going mad and Root was trying to do, trying to do all he could, and Plunkett and Wokes were the same. But actually, Stokes was on one, and to throw that ball to Stokes at that point was just incredible. And it kind of summed up how ridiculous Bumrah is at the moment. In the press conference after the game, Rohit Sharma said that it was Stokes that was actually the difference between the two teams, um, which I thought was quite interesting. He is in the form of his life with the bat. I don't think I've seen him been this good, uh, this consistently, ever. No, I mean, <laughs> I can't speak for you, yes, but um, <laughs> I do think that he's taken him, his game to another level. Um, there was a lot of chat before the World Cup about the idea that he was working himself too hard after Bristol, the idea that he was too keen to demonstrate that he was still a responsible member of the team. And I don't think that anyone actually in the camp really ever doubted that. He's, he's such a committed member of of the side in all formats and he, he clearly is wanting to be the best of the side but actually there was there was this idea that maybe he was being too defensive and maybe he wasn't really going through the full repertoire of Ben Stokes strokes but actually now he seems to have found a particular kind of balance whereby he can he can tip for 30 balls and then he can step it up again and that's what ODI batting is about it's the ability to put, to do both things well yeah it was a very different innings to his innings against uh, Sri Lanka and Australia and I thought that was perhaps the most uh, impressive thing about it that in consecutive matches in completely different match situations he's been able to adapt and fulfil whatever role he's needed to basically perfectly well I, I know what you mean in terms of different match situations you're right but I actually felt it was quite a similar innings to the Sri Lanka game yeah. but without without the ridiculous pressure that mm. was on him at the end mm. was that he was able in this game to take with, with Rue at the other end and to just get England towards that score to move up towards 270 but then knowing that Butler was still to come and that Plunkett was still to come with his heavy hitting etc etc he was able to play there with a particular kind of calm and then so obviously when he did start hitting and he has that mad over of Rohit Chami not Rohit Chami uh, Mohamed Chami sorry um, it, it feels like it was, it was almost him bringing his experience to bear on the situation, whereas against Sri Lanka, it felt terrifying, as if, like, mm. this is England's last chance. Um, so I do feel like there, that, that is a consistent pattern in his innings. There's been this calmness for the first hour and then just going a bit mad, which I, I, I don't think is anything bad for England, because if, if, we don't really have a, a player who bridges the gap between those two phases. We have lots of players who are tickers. We have Morgan and we have Root, who can do the middle overs, but we don't have, a, don't have many players who can go from doing the one to doing the other. So I think if Stokes can develop into that player, that's a huge boon for England. Whisper it quietly, that was a seriously impressive win for England. Um, They were awful against Sri Lanka, weren't very good against Australia, and to put in a performance like that against the team of the tournament so far, now number one ranked team in the world, how important do you think Jason Roy's return was today? And specifically, do you think that Johnny Bairstow bats differently when Roy's at the other end? I don't understand Johnny Bairstow at all. Um, I think that he, he's... I've said on this podcast before that he's probably the most interesting cricketer in the world in terms of his personality because I, I just don't understand him. He, he's so capable of just going through the gears in terms of 
turns up to a press conference and says, everyone hates me, the world's against me, one good side, Johnny Bairstow, and then he always goes out, goes out and makes 100. Um, I don't know whether Jason Roy's presence makes a difference to Bairstow, but it makes a massive difference to England because James Vince is a very is a very diffident cricketer, he's a very elegant player, but he's not a particularly imposing presence. And if you're an opposition attack, if you're Jasper Bummer in the form of your life and you're rocking up space to James Vince, you're licking your lips. But if you're looking at Jason Roy at the other end and he's just clubbed your bowling partner over mid wicket and he's, just, he's he's looking like he's just middling everything, I can't really see how that's going to instill any kind of fear in your mind. I, th- I think I think Roy's Roy's presence in the team is as much a psychological um, improvement for England because teams are scared yeah. of him. And if England get off to a flyer like they did today, then all of a sudden Root's coming in off the back of a platform and things are only ever going to improve from there. India bowled well with the new ball. Mm, they did. Jason Roy is a, is a man capable of taking down good bowling. In fairness to James Vince, I think Roy's had four years of international cricket where he's got to that level where he he has that impact on the opposition psyche. I thought that uh, the, the two boundaries in the first over, the second one in particular, that um, like authoritative cover drive, just kind of set the tone for the day. Like any, it showed like any nerves that England might have had going into what was basically a must-win match. Like England, England were England had were ready for today they weren't going to let the occasion get the better of them so Ben what did you think about what seemed to be a premeditated plan from England to really go off the Indian spinners none for 88 uh, from Jahal is the most expensive figures he's ever gone for in an ODI do you think hey do you think that was premeditated and did you expect that I think it's it's odd in a way because we're kind of conditioned to think that India spinners are their are their, are their kind of most potent weapon because mm. it's India um, but actually England have played Kuldeep and Chahal relatively well after the Nottingham ODI last year they, they were the way they struggled against Kuldeep in particular they really changed their plan and they played Kuldeep a lot deeper in the crease and they came after Chahal um, because he doesn't bowl very many very many uh, variations he only bowls about 6% Googlies mm. in this form of the game and so I, th- I don't think it was so much a premeditated um, decision to go hard at them I think they just played them very well. Um, Kuldeep, in particular, I think really recovered. He yeah, bowled, he did. Like, he bowled, his, first, his first four overs got battered, and then he kind of almost found the pace of the pitch and knew what he was trying to do a bit better, and was also benefiting from the fact that England were quite content to just sit in for a little bit more. Mm. I don't think that England are as premeditated in their plans as some people think they are. I think often it's just that it's very difficult to, t- to kind of discern the difference between trying to go at 10 and over against the bowler and trying to go at 8 and over, which is what England are generally trying to do, trying mm. to go hard. Um, Chahal bowled pretty poorly today and Kuldeep bowled pretty well, and that was the difference between the two spinners, but as a whole England were keen to go after them and Hardik rather than Shami and Bumrah because those two were we're just on a different level and they, they seem to understand the pitch better and also to understand how to bowl to the England, England batsmen better I think I think they got the better of the phases in terms of when they were bowling mm. but generally they they just were cannier they were cleverer and I think if, if it comes to it that they're playing on this pitch or on this uh, on this ground rather in the semi-final um, I, I would still be most concerned if I was in England batsman about facing the two opening bowlers rather than the spinners. There was a lot of talk pre-tournament about how this was going to be the tournament for the for the wrist spinners. Uh, wrist spinners are really important, and I I definitely said it, but it hasn't really gone that way. W- why do you think that's the case? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's double-edged, isn't it? Because 
Riff spin has become more important the higher the scores, and the higher the, and the scores haven't been that high in this tournament um, mm. for a variety of reasons. Um, partly because the teams who have tradition, not traditionally, but in the last few years, made big scores haven't been playing particularly well, i.e., England, um, and and so it's dragged everything down. And so the value of wrist spinners who are high risk, high reward has has been negated. But I also think that the wrist spinners who we would expect to bowl well and take lots of wickets, just haven't bowled very well. Mm. Coldeep hasn't been brilliant. He's, he's been fine. He's not been incredible. Imran Tahir hasn't bowled very well. He's taken a lot of wickets, but he's not bowled well. Um, Adil Rashid has really struggled with his shoulder injury, particularly. He, can't, he basically can't bowl a googly to a left-hander at the moment because of the angle mm. um, and because of the strain on his shoulder. Um, and that's really diminished his effectiveness in that regard. Um, and so the... the you know, the usual suspects who we would be expecting to take a lot of wickets in this format um, are, are down on form. It's, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily sure it's that structural. I think it's quite a small a small sample size of people we would hope, be hoping to do well. Shadow Khan has bowled very well. Mm. Um, and, and actually, it, it shows that if you if you do turn up as a risk winner, the game, you're not out of the game. It's just that the people that we would expect to do very well mm. have been out of form for various kind of injury and just, just kind of general reasons, really. I'm not, mm. I'm not sure we could be extrapolating it to anything massive narrative-wise, sadly, as much as we all want to. <laughs> I know you're a massive Moeen Ali fan. Um, but oh, in the... God, I am. I, I, really, I really am. It's terrible. I try to be so objective, but I really am. Um, Liam Plunkett, I thought, bowled very well today. Uh, Morgan said after the game that uh, the conditions and the pitch... And the dimensions of the ground suited him. But England are four from four now when Plunkett's played. And with Moeen's batting being basically less reliable than it used to be, do, do you think Moeen comes back into the side? I mean, look, it's, it's a really difficult one because as much as England might say that today, I know, that, I know for a fact that one of the things that England really consider when they're looking whether to select Plunkett or not, because they do bring him in and out. Mm. One of the things that they're looking when they look when they when they're choosing whether to select him is what the dimensions yeah, square massively. Are. And actually, today there was a fifty-nine meter boundary, and that is that is prime anti-Plunkett territory um, because he bowls a lot of short balls that are prime to be hit to the boundary. And actually, they still picked him, and I think that shows quite a lot about England's confidence in Moeen at the moment. Mm. Um, India are very good at playing Mo, um, and also there are no, not really any left-handers in the top seven, which is yeah. again Mo, Moeen's kind of prime fodder. And so you could kind of understand again there was a lot pointing in that direction why they would go with with Plunkett ahead of Moeen, and we, we like me, Freddie Wilden, Patrick Noon wrote a piece ahead of the um, ahead of this match saying that that's what England should do. They should they should pick Plunkett, but. Whether that actually translates into the next game um, mm. at Durham, which is a relatively small ground, and it, it, we've not played many matches there in the last four years, and so the sample size for analysis is relatively small. We don't really know what the pitch is going to be like. Mm. I can't. I don't really know confidently whether England are going to back Moeen to come back in, mm. having essentially just been dropped for all the talk that it's been it's rotational or it's it's contextual deselection. It's not that. It's, he's been dropped. Uh, I think Moeen's actually bowled quite well, though, in, in the tournament. Um, it, it's been weird. He's got a less than a run of ball, um, but the point is is that right now England's strategy is still to go hard and score a lot of runs and take wickets with the ball. It's not to be containing. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure that Mo could be confident of going at less than a run of ball at Durham. 
New Zealand are very good players of spin, um, regardless of what regardless of what we normally think of New Zealand kind of stereotypically. Mm. Um, I don't I don't think Mo will play in the next game. I, I would be very surprised if England, fitness permitting, were weren't unchanged. So, um, so, they they finally clicked and they've won the yeah. biggest game of, since two thousand and five. Like yeah. this was it for England. So to then change things would be a, a real show of confidence. As as reassuring as that win was, as as big a game as today was, England are by no means through. Like England still need to beat New Zealand. Some, um, we did some analysis. Um, Sam Green, our analyst, uh, ran some numbers, and we estimate that England have got a seventy-eight percent chance going through, or similar. I'm not quite. I'm hmm. not sure the exact number. It's basically that. Basically, three and four. Um, and that's that's reflective of Bangladesh's quality. Yeah. But it's also ref- it's also reflective of the fact that India are probably still going to beat Bangladesh, but Bangladesh are going to try against Pakistan. But that's that's a statistical analysis can't really mm. gauge is whether Bangladesh are going to want to try against Pakistan mm. because if they're out, then they don't they they might not turn up. Mm. You, don't, you don't know that, and that's that's the vagaries of tournament um, of tournament play. Things become a bit more. Bit more subtle, a bit more like who, who's actually rooting and who's going, who's going 100% to try and get through. And I think that's that's what makes this format so brilliant because it means that ed, there are, you get that extra element thrown in, thrown into the situation. But it also means that it's it's quite cruel um, for someone like for an England team who've played so well for four years. They're suddenly banking on Bangladesh, really mm. trying in a game that they don't need to win or can't really benefit from winning it it, it, it becomes a very odd situation um, I think England are quite lucky with the format that they've had a couple of shockers and they're still in the tournament and still only three games away from winning it yeah I thought thought today's win was was massive not just because they needed to win it um, but, but also to actually show perhaps the first time in the competition that they can they can do what we've seen for the last four years against the very best team there, there were actually two teams playing today we talked a lot about England let's talk a bit more about India uh, Rohit Sharma uh, was excellent again. He overcame a difficult spell. I know he was dropped by Root's second slip, but that was his third ton of the tournament. If, if Virat Kohli didn't bat number three, we'd be talking about Rohit Sharma as one of the all-time great ODI players. Well, some of us still are, yes. Um, but he, yeah, Rohit and Kohli are the two great ODI batsmen of this era. You don't hear people say that. You, when people talk about the best players in the world, they say, are oh, Kohli, Root, Williamson. You don't really... Here, uh, I, I know, I know you do. I know you do, but I think generally people don't really say Sharma is is in that category. But he hundred percent is. <laughs> I think it's partly because people like to see players in little plumps. It's a little bit like how for ye- for about four years between twenty fourteen and twenty eighteen, we talked about the big four in Test cricket mm. about the idea of um, about Root, Williamson, Cody, and Smith. But actually, during that time. Warner was probably as good as any yeah. of them. De Villiers was probably as good as any of them. But they didn't all bat between three and four in Test cricket, mm. so it was a little bit harder to. Kind of and I guess you got the age thing as well, right? Like those those four are within two years of age wise, and kind of came through at the same time. Yeah, we like to see generations yeah. playing playing off against each other. But no, Rohit again today. He had a really difficult start. He really did struggle for his first forty deliveries, but when he when he clicked. It was it was amazing. Mm. And it, I, I, I spoke to Phil Walker on the, on this podcast when India played Pakistan about the easy power 
the Rohit has because mm. his hands are so good, but he's also a very strong man and he's able mm. to time the ball so well. He's kind of all you want from a batsman, really. He's just not the most elegant because he's, I don't know, there's a, there's a kind of... I think he's pretty elegant. He's very, he's very he's very elegant in the way he times the ball, but he's not. It's not that classic high elbow cover drive kind yeah. of thing. It's like he times the ball well on the arc, and he makes the most of. Um, yeah, he gets value for his shots. I think what the reason we don't talk about Rohit as being a great is because uh, because we're English and Rohit has made a a very a very very good career out of churning out runs in games which aren't necessarily that attractive to the neutral kind of the fourth ODI of a bilateral series against South Africa etc etc he is he never takes his foot off the pedal he he sees every game as an opportunity to score runs and he makes the runs that mean that he is a great he doesn't he doesn't ever see he, do, he doesn't necessarily rise to the occasion well he's doing it right now 300s in a World Cup um, exactly and maybe that slightly speaks to the, the slight issue with the format that yeah. making <laughs> All those hundreds in the World Cup doesn't feel like yeah. stepping up on the big occasion. But you get what I mean in terms yeah, of part of the reason why he's so effective is that he just does it all the time. Yeah. So there's no sense of him getting better or worse on the big stage. Ab- he's just brilliant all the time. Absolutely. In- India seemed quite relaxed after uh, at the end of the game. Obviously, they're, they're, they're through. They're, they'll be in the semi-finals. Uh, so the game didn't mean that much to them. But the ending of the game was really weird, wasn't it? Don't Dhoni and Jadav weren't, weren't even trying to get the total. What, what were they doing there? It's a strange one because I. Um, there were a few boos, by the way, of Dhoni from, yeah, the, from, from the Indian crowd. You, you could hear them on television. Dhoni is Dhoni is a very strange player in the way he approaches chases, and that's part of the reason why he's an all-time great. Hmm. Is because he sees the game differently, and he sees that actually I want to get the game to a point so that I can then progress from there. I want to get it down to forty off this many balls and. That is, he sees it very much more structurally. Um, I've got, so I've today, got a theory on this, by the way. That wasn't, that wasn't the time to do it because today you needed chaos. You needed to go mad. Mm. You needed to really kind of almost acknowledge that this wasn't a situation where India could win playing normal cricket. They needed to go. They needed to go hard all the time. And Kedar has done that for Chennai a few times. Dhoni's definitely done it for Chennai a few times in the IPL. That they are capable. They are two players capable of doing that. But they just decided not to today. I think that was very much keeping their powder dry. They know what they can do. They didn't need to win today's game. So as soon as it became unlikely that they were going to, they just settled, decided not to destroy the net run rate, yeah. and were just calmly progressing towards the end. I there, think... was no benefit. there was no benefit to them going hard. There was no, there was no need for them to win the game. And so, but there is a benefit to them keeping that fear factor in the back of their minds in the back of the minds of the opposition that actually mm. oh it's still Dhoni like, that he can still do anything whereas actually if he goes out and he gets bold trying to hit a straight one it, it suddenly becomes they're like oh okay he's actually quite human mm. whereas if you kind of keep that sense of like oh it's Dhoni like he's still taking a deep he's still doing the whole the whole shebang he's still playing the hits I think that's I think that's still a really valuable thing for India or, or at least that's how Dhoni sees it I, I can't speak I've got a theory that he, he analyses situations like today where it was unlikely right when he came in that India were going to win and I think he sees it as the only way we win this game particularly with who's to come off the Jadav is if he's there so he doesn't want to take risks and he sees that the only way that we win this game is basically if England bowl badly um, and if England bowl well he's like well we're never going to win the game by taking uh, risks this far off the end of the game 
that that's my only way I can I, I can excuse him of not trying. Um, I think I think it's interesting though, yes, because I think this Indian side has been so grooved for four years essentially. The Champions Trophy was a, a blip, really. They were the best team in that tournament. Mm. Pakistan won it, but they were the best team, India. Um, and they're so grooved because they know what they're doing. They make forty for none off the power off the first power play. Then they accelerate slightly to the middle overs, and then they go hard at the death. That's how the team is set up. Whereas the inclusion of Rishabh Pan today just slightly confused that a little bit. I love Pan like a son, but I want—I I kind of acknowledge the fact that he isn't Vijay Shankar in the way that he plays. He isn't Dinesh Karthik. He—he isn't Ajinkya Rahane. He isn't KL Rahul. He's not what India normally selects as a number four. And so the pattern of their acceleration today was slightly disrupted because Pan isn't capable of going, you know, nine from ten. Mm. structure that has worked well for India now for, for a number of years but does, doesn't that go out the window against a side like England who regularly score scores of around 340 and more that's fine when you're playing teams who genuinely score on a good day between 2 280 to 320 but England if they click they get 340 plus and they do that with um, a kind of insane regularity I mean England haven't had a great World Cup yet they've still scored what now 4 5 scores over 300 uh, three or four scores over three thirty, three thirty-five. Um, do they need to have? You, a... I, I know exactly what you mean, yes. I, I I really know exactly what you mean. But at the same time, India did throw it out the window. They selected Rishabh Pant. Yeah. That is that is them saying, look, we get it. This isn't a normal game. They we, they, they went out and looked at the pitch and they thought this is going to take a bit of spin, but it could go because it's a relatively small boundary on the one on the leg side from the one end. But actually, we know we need an X factor, so they selected an X factor. So do you and think Shankar comes even, back in? Even, for... then it, even then, it couldn't go. That's the, that is that is them acknowledging the fact that England are playing when they click a different game. But actually, the rest of the team can't suddenly step up and be playing a strike rate ten above what they normally do. Mm. That's not how cricket works. You need you need to acknowledge that if you're going to chase three forty in a World Cup game and break the record anyone has ever chased ever you need one guy probably to go a bit berserk and India didn't have that and that's, and that's fine in, in, India played pretty well today they lost because they played a good team in good form that's not there's, there's no criticism of India today they, they did what they could Bumra bowled incredibly Rohit played really well after a dodgy start they only did what, all he could but we shouldn't criticise them Unduly, they're still a very, very, very does, good side. Does Shanka well. come in then for any non-England game for India? What for the remainder of the tournament? Yeah. So if they, so basically, unless India play England in a semi-final or final, do you anticipate Shanka to come back into the eleven? To be honest, I, I would expect that. I think that I think that there is a 
pants there, England there is, specialist. There is, a, there is an un, a, not an unhealthy distrust, but I think there is a in, Indian cricket as a whole holds Rishabh Pant at, at arm's length. They don't trust that particular kind of skill, and it's it's fair enough because it's it's maverick, it's unusual, but it's quite funny that the only team that India trust him against is the trust, best team. Uh, trust him, is the team that he would probably fit in the best. Yeah. If he if, he, if Rishabh Pant was English, if it was called Richard Pants. He would probably like he probably bat five. Like he, he he is a very English generation kind of player. He he is a very aggressive mm. kind of high risk high reward player. I think against um, Bangladesh on Tuesday and then again Sri Lanka on the on Saturday. I would really expect um, Shankar to come back. Uh, maybe Kartik even because I think I think they want mm. to they want that solidity and I think that's fine. I don't think you need to make three fifty. To beat Bangladesh, I don't. I certainly don't think you need three fifty to beat Sri Lanka. Mm. Um, that's fine, but I also wouldn't be at all surprised if they then brought Pant back mm. for a semi-final or a final against England because Kohli is a, a forceful presence, and especially in selection meetings, and I think he understands that England can play badly and make three forty. Mm. Um, and actually, you st- you do need someone who can come in and and hit, mm. and, and Pant is that guy. I've seen it in the IPL for Delhi for three four years now. Like he is, he is an X factor and. I don't think there's anyone, even with the negativity around Pan, that I think pervades the Indian camp. I think there is an acknowledgement that he can do things that other players can't. We had a really nice message in from one of our American listeners, Amrish Patel, who says, I came across the episode, it's Babra's Arm Day. I enjoyed it so much that I recorded his two-minute monologue on Babra's Arm and shared it with my close but stereotypical American friends. To them, the world is New York to the east and Hawaii to the west. Sport is baseball and NFL. And he attached a screenshot uh, to us of, of his message. Show, he, he sent a snippet of Phil on Babra's arm to his American friends. And he finished it saying, Thank you, Phil. I will forever listen to your podcast from here on. Amrish Patel. Well, Amrish, glad you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, Ben today. Ben, thank you very much for coming on the show. <laughs> Nothing I have said is as profound, eloquent, lyrical, or poetic as what as, uh, as Phil's Baba Azam intro. It has been it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yes. Um, this has been the Wisden Cricket Daily podcast, brought to you by Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of exciting memories since 1979. Folks, if you haven't already, subscribe. And as I said uh, when I was last on. I think the best way to listen to the podcast are on Spotify. Spotify actually tweeted out today a little message saying you should listen to the Wisdom Cricket Podcast. So if Spotify is telling people to do so, you should do so too. See you next time. Podcast Network.